This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Tour. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Tactical Breakdown series, the show in which we look at the players that have been linked to Arsenal in a statistical and analytical way with the help of some expert insight. I'm very happy today to be joined by Alvaro Romeo. How are you doing, mate? You good, well? Yeah, very well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you, Tom? Yes, very good, mate. Very good. You're joining us live from TalkSport Studios, um, yeah. of course, where you produce plenty of, of content and uh, commentary on Spanish football. But you also uh, do plenty of work for the Totally Football Show. So just in, for those that aren't familiar, I know you've been on the channel before plenty of times, but for those that aren't familiar with your work, just let people know what it is exactly you do. Well, I've got uh, kind of a double life here, double identity. I cover the Premier League in Spanish for our uh, Spanish and South American um, syndication partners. And I am a commentator. And then uh, I cover La Liga in English for English media outlets, uh, for example, the BBC as a freelancer, obviously the Athletic uh, and the Totally Football Show, and also as a freelancer as well. And yeah, I've been doing this for about 13 years now, so I can say that I am quite old, but I've been in the know for a while. (laughs) No, lovely stuff. Um, No, it's always good to get the background so people are more familiar with stuff. And we're here, of course, to talk today about uh, Joao Felix, uh, Portuguese international Atletico Madrid forward, who is being very heavily linked with an exit uh, from Atleti, with Arsenal being one of the main key people involved, uh, or rather one of the key clubs involved in discussions about him. So for today's show to run you through some ideas of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking a bit about how he rose to significance and how things have kind of fallen away a little bit in Spain. How he plays, his best position, look at some uh, statistical comparison to some of the players that we've also been linked to as well as the existing players at Arsenal. How he might fit in at the club and ultimately, is he worth that huge price tag and huge loan fee that's being associated with him? So to kick things off, Talk to me, Alvaro, about kind of your view of, of Joao Felix. His rise, of course, big, massive move to Benfica and where we kind of are now with the player. Well, I think that uh, Joao Felix was one of the most promising uh, players in uh, Europe, like four years ago. And Atletico Madrid did um, 
a very unlikely investment, in my opinion, which was signing uh, Joao Felix, uh, because normally Atletico doesn't spend that big for a player. But the truth is that they knew that they were going to get uh, some money for Antoine Griezmann, and then they went for Joao Felix, despite him being 19 years old, despite him having had only one good season in European football with Benfica, Atletico invested a lot of money in the signing not in the wages of Joe Felix, because I think that, that there is a little bit of a disproportion between how much Atletico play, uh, paid for the guy and how much Joao is making. Uh, his wages are very far away from uh, the wages of uh, some other European superstars. And I think, mm. rightly so, um, just uh, by looking at the numbers and the performances of Joao Felix, we have seen glimpses of his talent. I think that it was very important for Atletico to clinch the title in 2021. For But for a number of factors, I think that the guy hasn't been um, up to the price tag they paid for him. And basically, inconsistency and a lack of understanding with Simeone have been two things that have marked his stint at Atletico de Madrid. When I look at Atletico Madrid, you remember back to the, the times where they're getting into regular Champions League finals and far into the Champions League, of course, winning the title in the early 2010s as well. It was their industriousness, their physicality. They were a bit of an anti-club to kind of the competition, if you like, with all of the, the tricky, fancy passing and play of Barcelona, of course, the quality of Real Madrid as well. And that stood them in good stead quite often against those sides. It, it felt like towards the mid 2010s and late 2010s that Simeone wanted to try and shift a bit by bringing in more technical players like Joao, like Thomas Lamar, for instance. And it's not necessarily worked out. Do you think that he's a bit of a victim of that attempt by Simeone to become a more technical club? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I think that the main point here is that when Simeone tries to uh, use Joao Felix a lot and gives a start to Joao Felix, he doesn't believe 100% in that idea. I think mm. that uh, conceptually speaking, Joao Felix and Simeone are very far away from each other. This is not saying that uh, players like Joao Felix haven't worked for Simeone at some stage. Uh, you probably remember the likes of Adrian, Arda mm. Turan, um, even Thomas Lemar at some extent. But uh, those players come and go for Simeone. They don't spend for years. They are never uh, the best players on paper that the team have. Arda mm. Turan, for example, he was basically uh, doing the creativity, but in that super atletico, Radamel Falcao, Diego Costa, mm, some other players, Thiago, were very important. But here, the problem is that Atletico de Madrid doesn't have these big names aside of Joao Félix. So the responsibility falls on him. And I don't think that Joao Félix has been able to take it every time. And then, you know, the thing is that the the points I'm going to make today are very ambivalent because I also blame Simeone a little bit because he's uh, placing uh, Joao Felix very far away from the opponent's goal. Joao Felix doesn't have the autonomy of Kylian Mbappé, for example, you know, to name the, the best possible example, mm. uh, to take the ball 50 yards away from his box and to be able to finish it off himself. Joao Felix is not this player. The closer he is to the opponent's box, the better. So I think that Joao hasn't been given the consistency and you have to blame him a little bit, but you also have to blame Simeone probably a little bit too, because uh, he hasn't created the right environment for Joao Felix mm. to sign. Yeah, lovely stuff. In terms of his style of play, you've mentioned a little bit there in terms of he's much better when he's nearer the goal. Um, and I, you know, I agree with you in that in that sense. Absolutely, he can 
you know, work with the ball at his feet. He can dribble, he can drive with it. He's very versatile as well. I mean, when we talk about, we're going to kind of combine this with his best position as well. He's played all over the field for Atletico Madrid and Benfica previously as well. Where, what do you kind of see him stylistically and what do you believe him to be his best role? His best role could be a number 10 or if you play in a 4-4-2, for example, playing with mm. another striker. I think that that would be his uh, preferred position. Uh, he, wouldn't be, he wouldn't be bad either in a 4-3-3, mm, of course. Uh, but mm. uh, I think that the midfielders and the defence have to be very close to him. So if Atletico or if any, any side plays as a unit and the, the block is very compact, I think that Joao Felix is going to be benefited by that. If the team... It's, uh, the lines are very far away from each other and the defence, the strikers uh, and the midfield are not having good connections, then Joao Felix will suffer because, as I said before, he's not a man who can actually take the ball and run many metres with it. He has done it sometimes, yes, but uh, physically he is not that strong to do this continuously. So this is the thing. So I think that the if he played as a number 10 in a team that tends to dominate, have the possession and an attack, he will be very happy. I think that the modern football doesn't create these positions that much anymore, as we saw during the World Cup. And if he played on the left in a 4-3-3 that worked well, like, for example, the Manchester City's 4-3-3, I think mm. that he would be a very happy man too. Um, if uh, a team created those, con- those conditions, that environment for Joao Felix, and if he wouldn't perform, then all the responsibility would be on, on him, of course. But right now, I think that part of the responsibility of his sometimes poor performances, like yesterday mm. against Barcelona, is on Simeone too. I think that what's interesting, I think what Arsenal fans are immediately going to be thinking when you say that is, well, we're kind of looking at bringing in, say, Mahalo Mudrik, who's very much a left winger, and Joao Felix is said to be what Arsenal want. And you'd imagine if that's the case that Felix, if he's better on the left or better in a two, that doesn't necessarily fit immediately into my mind as an obvious candidate because most people would be looking at Felix and going, well, if we're bringing him in, it would be to play instead of Gabriel Jesus or instead of Eddie Nketiah in that number nine role. Is that do you? Is there a struggle then, do you think, that Arsenal might have using him as a sole number nine if they choose to use him there? I tell you what, Tom, I think that um, if you want an immediate impact from Joao Felix, I don't think mm. that that's going to happen at Arsenal. Seriously, I don't think so. Um, mm. Because, you know, look at Nicolas Arteta. Uh, he doesn't uh, replace Martinelli and Saka very much. Neither Enketia right now. True, Gabriel Jesus is out. But uh, also there are no other wingers in the squad. But also Mikel Arteta doesn't change or swap these guys unless it's totally necessary. Uh, he really believes in them. And I think that Joao Felix will need an adaptation um, period at uh, Arsenal because um, the intensity that Arsenal is playing with is nowhere near the intensity that Atletico is playing with. Uh, that's number one. And number two, because Joao Felix uh, doesn't have such a clear profile um, to play on the wings as Saka or Martinelli. Both are wingers. Uh, Joao Felix can play in the winger position. And then if he, you want to use him when Enketia plays, for example, Joao Felix will have to hold the ball a little bit better, will have to be a little bit more physical. So, you know, I think that he will have to adapt and he will have to learn to play in um, some position for Arsenal. Probably Emile Smith-Rowe will be like a good uh, person to look at and to say, look, uh, this guy adapted somehow. Mm. Well, I will have to adapt the way this guy plays. But, uh, you know, I think that the immediate impact with Joao Felix is something that you wouldn't be getting uh, if you sign him. 
we're going to circle back to that when we come to the verdict on this because that's very interesting indeed now in terms of comparisons uh with him being brought in and looked to be brought in as a player that would be in competition with the likes of gabriel jesus um and other players have been linked to Although, hearing a lot from what Alvaro has said, maybe it wouldn't be as straightforward as that. But we're going to look at him compared to the likes of Jesus, Vlaovic, of course, a very more typical number nine. And then Marcus Turam, who's played both centrally and in a wide area like uh, Joao Felix has as well. So they're the players we've been linked to. So looking at comparisons, obviously, immediately see from the heat map, we showed you the heat map to the last three seasons just a few seconds ago. Uh, Felix does tend to choose to skew more towards the left-hand side when he does play. And Jesus, in fact, does tend to skew all over the field, but does tend to favour kind of moving towards the left and supporting Martinelli, perhaps because of the space occupied by Saka and uh, and Odegaard on that right-hand side. But going into the actual kind of goal contributions, Alvaro, he comes out really well, despite maybe not being considered as being in the best of form or in the best situation with Atletico this season. He has 0.48 goal contributions per 90, the goal or an assist, which is better than Jesus, better than Turam and better than Vlaovic. Is are people underrating him maybe this season, despite the struggles he's supposedly had? Uh, no, I think that the the rating we have of Joao Felix is more or less balanced, really. Yeah. I really think so. Uh, anyway, but, uh, you know, I see at those uh, spot on statistics and you look at Gabriel Jesus. And the truth is that is Mikel Arteta that concerned about uh, the goals and assists that Gabriel Jesus was offering mm. the team? Because I think that, for example... Uh, the pressure up front that he's doing is priceless. Gabriel Jesus, uh, the guy I was in Stamford Bridge watching uh, Chelsea Arsenal. And um, uh, Chelsea didn't know how to cope with Gabriel's uh, pressure. And mm. I think that Joao Felix cannot do that. Then Dusan Vlaovic, Marcus Turan, they are totally different profiles to Joao yeah. Felix. So we're talking about very different players here. But uh, the contribution, scoring-wise, of Joao Felix hasn't been that good for Atletico de Madrid. Yes, at Benfica, I think he scored 19, 20 goals in one season. He was 19 years old, and that mm. was incredible. It was like, wow, this guy. He's going to hit from now on 20 goals per season every season in his career. Hasn't been like this. Uh, Joe Felix has scored 34 or 35 goals in three and a half seasons for Atletico mm. de Madrid. So this points in the, in the direction of uh, maybe Joe Felix is not the kind of guy who is going to win you the games from in, in the scoring department. I mean, he can make a massive contribution. The potential is there. The creativity is there. But maybe some other guys will have to score. In fact, Atletico de Madrid last night against Barcelona produced 20 shots and they didn't score a goal. And Joe Felix was involved in a very big capacity as well. So mm. I think that he's not a great scorer. I mean, he has scored important goals, like last season, for example, against Manchester United uh, in the championship to knock out Manchester United. Mm. But he's not a great scorer either. So my question again is, yes, he's, he's got the potential, but does Arsenal want to sign right now, maybe on loan, maybe as a transfer, a player that won't necessarily have an immediate impact? Mm. I'm very doubtful about that. Yeah, again, we'll circle back to that with, with the verdict because I've got some interesting questions regarding that as well. Um, in terms of shot taking, you know, it kind of falls in, in comparison with, with the rest of the guys in our in our comparison here. 3.32 shots per 90. Accuracy, 
falls similarly around the others as well, 48.7%. His shots tend to be taken from, well, a mix of both in and outside the box. He's not afraid to shoot from outside of the area by any means. And then looking at kind of how he is on the ball, we talked a little bit earlier about how he's better close to the goal. But again, he's not afraid to take the ball when he's given the opportunity to. 5.1 dribbles per 90 and succeeding 35% of the time, which is the lowest, which I guess does kind of fall into what you were saying earlier on with the lowest success rate of dribbles despite he doesn't mind being having having the confidence to dribble, he's not necessarily as successful as it as, say, Jesus at 49.1% and who is dribbling still significantly more so than Joao Felix. Now, creatively, that's where I really want to ask you on as well, because creatively, Arteta wants forwards that not can only, as you mentioned earlier with Jesus, when he's not scoring for 12 games in a row, Arteta's not concerned because the performance outside of the goals and the assists that he brings is still so important. So creatively... Whilst he may not, you feel, have an immediate impact, is this someone you feel that can still add and, and think about his teammates um, in such a kind of uh, conscientious way that Arteta would appreciate that style of footballer? He would. I really think so. Uh, he has to probably keep the work rate that Simeone is asking him to, mm. to have, number one. The creativity is there. And Mikel Arteta, I think that he will be very happy to have a player like this, the... Um, the passes into the box, success is all right. Uh, I think that he's got a big level of creativity as well. Mm. Sometimes he sees um, passing lines that not every player can see, that's for sure. His scoring contribution is all right, but it's not brilliant either. So I think Mikel Arteta will be happy with a player like this. Yes, of course. Mm. Um, but uh, on the other hand, uh, there is an element that we haven't spoken about here, Tom, as well, which is like... Uh, aside from these numbers and all that, how keen is Atletico to let him go? Mm. Because this is a very important thing, because let's not forget that Atletico de Madrid lost this winter Mateus Cunha. And right now they've got Morata, Antoine yeah. Griezmann, Joe Felix, and Angel Correa. And none of them are scoring many goals. Antoine Griezmann has uh, dropped back a little bit and he's playing more like a midfielder. Álvaro Morata is uh, a continuous and never-ending stop and go, stop and go. Uh, he goes through rough patches and then he scores like uh, three or four goals in a month and you are like, well, he's back, but he's mm -hmm. never completely back. So I think that Joao Felix right now, uh, despite everything I have said and despite the fact that Simeone doesn't trust him 100%, uh, Joao Felix is an asset for Atletico de Madrid and Atletico will be very, very, um, very, very reckless if they let him go. Uh, and they don't have uh, any other player who is going to be signed straight away just to replace him. They are talking about Borja Iglesias, who brings a totally different profile to Joao Felix yeah. because he's a physical guy. Mm. Uh, but if uh, Borja Iglesias or any other player are not going to Atletico de Madrid, I don't think that Simeone would be happy uh, to lose Joao Felix and to keep in the squad only three strikers. Antoine Griezmann, Ángel Correa and Álvaro Morata. Even though Atletico is playing only two competitions right now, Copa del Rey and La Liga, I don't think that three strikers are enough. No way, no way. Mm, it's really because obviously when they play that two striker system, you know, yeah. they're going to need the, the, the extra. Like you think from an Arsenal perspective, people are going, well, we need three strikers because at the moment we've only got two, Jesus and Nketi. You've got Martinelli that maybe could play there, but we play in the 4 3 3. We don't need to think as much about having as many centre forward options as, as what Atletico Madrid are going to need. So yeah. it's absolutely a fair point. In terms of um, how he then fits into the Arsenal team, just to kind of give some examples about 
what we've seen both for Atleti and for Portugal. And what I would say is the Portuguese examples I'll come on to in a second are, are really quite telling. He loves finding the space in the box. You know, it's a great opportunity here where he spots the space that's available. The pass is played and he's immediately running into that space in behind, finding that space and getting on the end of the pass. He actually doesn't look to shoot in this example. He finds a back pass to the running in Antoine Griezmann and eventually it works out that he somehow gets a header in against LJ. Heading is actually a weird part of his game where he manages to pop up with a couple of headers a season. You wouldn't typically associate that yeah. maybe with someone like him, but he still is his kind of determination to get into these really good areas in the box. And the tenacity that he has is imperative. I mean, this uh, at the World Cup against Ghana, uh, the pass that came through on the right-hand side this time, again, highlighting his versatility, and then the finish as well. He is someone that is determined to try and get into the box and score goals at yeah. the same time. That's why, Tom, I don't write him off completely. Not at all. Mm. The, poten the potential and the creativity are there. And um, he has scored 19, 20 goals in his breakthrough season. So, mm. again that has happened already it just hasn't happened for three and a half years now but the context is very important as well he has been playing for atletico de madrid and who is the last atletico de madrid player who was a very good passer from open play who is the last one i cannot name that guy mm. uh, because uh, rodrigo de paul uh, arrived in atletico de madrid yeah. with that role and he's been playing very far from the box and uh, rodrigo de paul has been a little bit sloppy for atletico coque He's no longer that guy. Um, maybe Antoine Griezmann. Saul? The... Sa Saul, I think that he he was meant to be more of a box-to-box -box midfielder, mm. not necessarily one that um, gave the, 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 the best possible passes, yeah, a creative one. But Atletico hasn't had that profile. If Joao Felix played in a side that had a couple of really good passers, his numbers will automatically increase. I don't have mm. any doubt about that. So... That you are showing, those graphics are very good as well because he's doing the right runs many times. Then when he gets the ball in the box, sometimes you see that he doesn't have the killer instinct of some other striker. Like in the previous um, slide you were showing, Joe didn't take the shot. He just gave the pass. Uh, mm. And sometimes maybe he should be a little, little bit more egotistic uh, instead of altruistic in the opponent's box. But I think that, uh, you know, the... The moves are there, the potential is there. He has learned a lot at Atletico de Madrid. His work ethics have improved since he works for Simeone. Not enough in Simeone's eyes, but definitely they have improved. So, you know, I think that, uh, as I said before, uh, he's a player that the best is still to come. I still believe that. I still believe that. I was trying to think of the most creative Atletico player while you were talking there. And ironically, I don't think they're even a midfielder. It was arguably Kieran Trippier was probably one of the most creative players. They 100%. 100%. Yeah. When they won the title in 2021, Kieran mm. Trippier was the one who was putting more crosses in the box. And actually, his vision was fantastic. It was fantastic. Mm. You know, you have to go back to maybe, maybe, I'm talking about Arda Turan in 2015, 2014, mm. 2013, to find like a really, really good, skillful uh, player who actually has a really good vision. That's a long time ago. Mm, a long time ago. Yeah, it's it's mad to think how, many, how much consistency in the squad there's been in some senses of certain players, but then how much inconsistency in terms of, I mean, strikers in particular, of course, Atleti have gone through so many in the past decade plus. But yeah, it's uh, they're a team that I think needs probably an entire refresh. Um 
the argument about Diego Simeone's continuation will continue onwards uh, and whether or not he is the right guy because it's similar, I suppose, to Arsenal with Arsene Wenger and Man United with Sir Alex Ferguson. Is there? Can you see a future beyond such a long-standing coach? And that's the that's the question that Atleti are going to have to ask themselves. Um, whether Gerard Felix, of course, there is another question. But we talk about his creativity. A great example here against Nigeria in the warm-up games for Portugal. This pass into Bruno Fernandes was, was sublime uh, in behind the, the Nigerian defence. You see him there getting the ball in. Uh, Fernandez waited perfectly, takes it around the goalkeeper, can't find the finish. But it's those types of examples of his vision that you can see sometimes if he develops that, he could become a really creative kind of second striker for maybe I say second strikers. Erdegaard plays obviously in this hybrid eight slash 10 kind of role. Maybe Israel Felix could drop in and play a false nine and allow Saka and Martinelli to maybe run beyond him and that enable him to be more creative. So kind of the verdict is where we're at to finish off the show is he worth the money? Because the money being discussed, Alvaro, is, is kind of crazy for a six-month loan deal. We've seen reports yeah. of a 21 million euro package, including wages and loan fee. There's been suggestions that Atletico might come down on that valuation, but they obviously still want a significant fee. We've seen some suggestions that they would be willing to include a 70 million pound option in the summer to take him permanently. With all of the noise and all of the money being talked about, where does your head kind of rest on what Arsenal should be thinking about with Joao Felix financially? This is the question. I think that Joao Felix is way more suited for a transfer than for a six-month loan. Mm. 100% about that. I, I spoke before about the immediate impact. I think that Joao Felix will have to adapt to Arteta, to his system. Arsenal is playing in a very different way uh, to Atletico de Madrid. And I think that the loan wouldn't be the most clever move if the loan is that expensive. I think that that cannot end up well uh, because, uh, you know, Joe Felix hasn't been the kind of guy who, under big pressure, has had the rebellion uh, to become a better player. In fact, he needs the things to go his way in order to perform. So I think that the loan it wouldn't be the best option. I think that the buying would be a better one. If the loan is cheap, which probably it won't, then of course uh, he will be a, a new tool for Mikel Arteta, maybe the Europa League uh, and the FA Cup well, let's mm. see, because uh, Arsenal may play against Manchester City yeah, let's see, yeah, let's see about Manchester, that yeah. it could be, could be, but uh, maybe maybe the Cup or the, or, the, or the tournaments can be a, a good moment or a good platform for Joao Felix to, to adapt uh, of course, but I wouldn't advise an expensive loan, no, no, no not at all, not at all, I think that Joao Felix needs a pre-season with a big team uh, to have a fresh look, a fresh start and to incorporate uh, ideas from a very good manager like Mikel Arteta, but in the middle of the season, there is no time for that, how many good trainings does Arsenal have uh, from February onwards, if they are going to progress in the Europa League, in the FA Cup Mm, and if they are going to be fighting for the title and they have to do regenero regeneration and all that, maybe on Mondays they don't train and all that, how much time is there for Joe Felix to adapt? That's the thing. So, no, no, I wouldn't advise expensive loan. Not at all, Tom. Yeah, I, I agree. And when I look at, if he was to say come in this week, you know, we've got the North London derby on Sunday, you're then playing against Manchester United the following week. I, Eddie Nketiah starts both of those games. Israel like Felix doesn't come in and start because, as you said, he's got to adapt. He's got to come in and, and, and show that he can play in this new Arsenal system. 
And then you're thinking, well, where where is he going to get the games? The Europa League doesn't start until March. Uh, you might get games in, in the FA Cup, but we've got City, as you say, if we get past Oxford tonight in the next round. It's very, very difficult to see where his minutes are immediately going to come from. And all of a sudden, he's kind of in the same problem that he's got at Letty, where he's not starting enough games consistently to, to get enough consistently up to play well. It's, yeah. it's, it's really di- tricky. What I'll throw to you kind of lastly to round off is that one of the big talking points around the finances is... Some people say that if Arsenal want to win a title, they have to be ruthless in the market. And Ralph Felix is the type of player that we should absolutely be investing big in, even if it's for a loan, because he could be the difference between Arsenal winning a title or not. For me, I don't think Ralph Felix in these six months alone is the difference between Arsenal winning a title or not, because he's just, as you said there, there's not enough time to adapt. If Arsenal do sign him on loan, it has to be with an option, as you say, for the long term to invest in him. But I mean, is there an argument that even in the time that's remaining, if they did get an option on that contract, that he couldn't do enough to convince Arsenal to sign him on that long term deal? That's the thing, Tom, that the, the clock will be ticking from the very minute that he mm. lands at Colney. Uh, that's the thing. That's the thing. It's only six months. And that's why I would advise, if anything, like a, a long investment uh, on a player like Joao Felix, because the potential is there. Mm, but the, from the very profiles that uh, you have been showing me and all that, I mean, obviously a player like Tuzan Blaovic, imagine, imagine, he will have a, a more brutal impact. Mm. Because, you know, it's a player that maybe doesn't need uh, the team to play too well, to score his goals. Uh, you just send it in the box and Tuzan Blaovic is very self-sufficient. Whereas Joao Felix will have to adapt to an structure that is working very well so far, that he will have to adapt. And I don't think that on his own, he's capable of raising his hand and saying, here I am. I think that he needs a little bit more of help from his teammates. So, yeah, back to the original the original question. I think that it would be definitely a risk if uh, you got Joao Felix in the middle of January. Uh, and especially if all the pressure falls on his fall on his shoulders uh, he has proven that he's not the guy who is best with the pressure he's still young still 23 years old but you know there are also reasons to doubt a little bit him so in the verdict i think loan probably no long-term contract mm-hmm. probably yes um yeah. but is that what arsenal need this january that's the question and I, I think we can agree that arsenal need to make sure whoever they bring in can provide an immediate impact for what is a really important season alvaro thank you so much mate for your time i really really appreciate it tell people where they can find you if they want to follow your stuff yeah of course i mean my twitter account is there so at alvaro uh, underscore romeo and then as i said before uh, the totally football show or talk sport international those are the platforms that i normally i am in so you know uh, thank you for having me tom it's been a pleasure as usually i like to talk uh, about football with you uh, good insight absolutely no i appreciate it that's why i get you on because you're my number one spanish guy uh, for all of that <laughs> stuff and uh, very insightful i can see you've got lots of really kind comments in the chat box throughout the show so we've not had time for questions and we've cut of, uh, covered a lot of stuff in today's show which i think you can agree has been very insightful leave your comments down below as to what your thoughts are now on Joao felix have they changed based on what alvaro has told us in today's show are you very much still stubbornly sticking by your points let us know as i say drop a like subscribe follow us on twitter follow alvaro as well and we'll be back very soon with another show and as always up the arsenal it's the 90 plus minute 
all your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mate's already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your delivery. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.